Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the October 30th episode. We are covering 2 Kings. We finished Daniel, almost finished Hosea, finished 1 Timothy, and started 2 Timothy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I have a couple things from, from second Kings that were really fun. So here's my favorite part of second Kings. And I'm so curious whether you saw it. It's at the beginning of chapter eight. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have like notes. I'm so curious to see what you are going to say. It's the alternative story of Ruth. It's totally the, like, I was like, wait, 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 wait. God told them to go and live as resident aliens in the land of the Philistines. I'm like, wait, I feel like I have, this like changes everything about the way I interpret it. And she came back after seven years. She went uh, and she came back when she was supposed to come back. She didn't stay. Yes. I have goosebumps. And, And if you go back to the beginning of the story, this goes back to the kind of the thing that we talk about often is this, like, if you do, if you do, if you act obedient, God rewards that. Not that we don't ever have suffering, but like, this is the woman who was wealthy. And what she decided was when she invited this holy man to her house, she decided that she kind of liked him. And she was like, this man's really holy. We should provide a room for him. This is the same woman that built the room for him where Elisha would come and stay frequently. And then he was like, what can I do for you? And she was like, I don't need anything. I really don't need anything. I'm just so glad to offer this to you. And he was like, no, really, I want to do something for you. And he discovers that she wants, he discovers, I think the Lord reveals to him that she wants a a child. And so he prays to God and and she ends up getting pregnant. She raises a child. The child gets really sick and dies. And she comes running to him and she was like, why would you give me a child only to take him from me? So Elisha comes running back with her and he lays on top of him and the child comes back to life. So this is the beginning of the story Mm -hmm. is that this woman out of her wealth and her resources, she discovered that there was this holy man and she served him and by serving him was serving God. Anyway, so then Elisha told the woman whose son was brought to life, leave here and go to your family and live someplace else because God has ordered a famine in the land. So this is exactly what was happening to Elimelech. There was a famine Mm -hmm. in the land and Elimelech took his children and his wife to Moab and they ended up settling there. Like they went to escape this famine without instruction from the Lord that we know of. They settle in this land and um, Naomi loses her husband and two sons in the process, but they had completely gotten like entrenched in the culture of Moab. Whereas this story is so different because she waits seven years and at seven years, she's like, okay, I'm supposed to go back. I was told seven years, seven years are up. I'm going back. And she just happens. I don't know what your version says, but just like Ruth just happened to go into the field of Boaz in mine and verse four and five, 
It says the king was walking, was talking to Gehazi's servant, to the holy man, saying, tell me some stories of the great things Elisha did. It so happened that as he was telling the king the story of the dead person brought back to life, the woman whose son was brought to life showed up asking for her home and farm. Naomi comes back for, um, not that this is not Naomi, but in the story of Ruth, Naomi goes back to her land thinking she doesn't have a chance. She has no mm-hmm. land. She's, not, she's coming back to nothing and she's going to mm-hmm. be destitute. But because of God's salvation um, through Boaz and Ruth just happening to go glean in Boaz's field, he provides everything Naomi needs. Mm-hmm. Well, here she shows up and she just happens to show up and she asks basically for her land back. And like I said, she was wealthy. So this is a big deal. Like she's coming back and kind of asking to be reinstated to her old status of leadership in the community. And the king is so excited about her story. Gehazi says, this is the woman. This is her son who Elisha brought back to life. And the king wanted to know all about it. And so she told him the story the king assigned an officer to take care of her saying, make sure she gets everything back that's hers, plus all profits from the farm from the time she left until now. I was like, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's so clear. Like it was like, oh my gosh, ding, 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 ding. It's sitting right here. I feel like, so when I came across it, it made me question, I guess it's probably minor because regardless of whether God told Elimelech and Naomi to go to Moab or not, they ended up Staying. Staying and becoming part of that community by the sons marrying Moabite girls. But when when we studied Ruth, I was thinking, I assumed that Elimelech and Naomi were not following God when they went in the first place. But I'm like, well, maybe maybe they were. Like, maybe this was God rescuing them, but then they didn't. Mm -hmm. They went too far. But now I'm kind of, like, as I was listening to you talk, I'm just noticing a couple other, and they're super parallel but we don't know that Naomi and Elimelech were ever told to go or told when to return. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know about a couple of great resources we have for you. First, did you know that we have two podcasts? I know, it's confusing, but we have this one, The Recap, where we highlight our takeaways from the Bible reading plan. But we also have one called The Dive Collective Podcast, on which we highlight the gifts and talents and stories of our members. We have three great interview episodes already up, but we have more coming soon. So you're going to want to access those on both Google and the Apple podcast platforms. We also have a couple of excellent free Bible reading resources on our website at divecollective.org. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get weekly emails with a devotion to start your week and a free download of the Bible reading plan. And we also have a dive guide in the shop. So check the shop out too while you're there. So head on over to divecollective.org to grab your free resources soon. But the other thing that I was noticing is um, the woman is coming back and getting her land. Like the husband is so, the only time we see the husband in the story is when she tells him, I know there's a man, a holy man of God. Let's give him a room in our house, basically. Other than that, he's pretty much non-existent in the story. Yeah. Just think it's interesting that the woman comes back and all of her property is restored to her, whereas the opposite happens in Ruth. Like Naomi can't get her property without. It's just interesting the way it's told. Yeah, even if he wasn't around, it definitely wasn't the the man getting his property back. It was this right. that she happened to be 
mm-hmm. in the pre- right place at the she happened mm-hmm. to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah, mine doesn't say for the that king way, to be caring about her story. Yep. Yeah, the timing is pretty crazy. And there are times in our at least there are times in my life where it's definitely there these are these things where you're like that was God. Like that could not have happened unless God had lined these two lives up at this particular point in time. You know, he just I think he loves to leave those little fingerprints that are so clearly him. Mm-hmm. Anything else in Second Kings? Oh my gosh, Joash. Joash of Judah. His story, he comes to be, he becomes king at seven He's years old. Seven. Yes. Um, but how that story comes about that they hid him in the temple for, he was in the temple hidden for seven years. And the priests were guarding him and taking care of him. Anyway, he becomes the king. And this is where, what's cool. This is going to um, segue us directly to Hosea. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. I told you, I like feel like I didn't absorb any of Hosea. So I'm going to have to go back. Hosea chapter one, verse one. This it's is God's message like to him. Hosea, son of Beeri. It came to him during the royal reigns of Judah's kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. This was also the time that Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king over Israel. Okay, so mine is a different spelling. It doesn't say Joash? It says Jehoash. It's different, but that doesn't mean it's not the same person. It's Is, Je- is it Jehoash in your in Second Kings? Mm-mm. It's, it's Joash. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll find out when we read more of Second Kings whether uh, Jeroboam is Joash's son. It's probably in the next chapter. Huh. It kind of goes back in chapter 14. So here's the other thing. The kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, a lot of them have the same names. Like there's a Joash king of Judah also. I can't handle this. It has to stop. Yeah, it's just confusing. Joash is king of Judah, isn't he? Joash is king of Judah. Okay, so for those of you listening, I'm going to skip over about 25 minutes of us looking at the genealogy. But in summary, what we've discovered is, Annika. I think, this is like me flipping pages in my Bible frantically. I think that the the kings in Hosea 1 that are listed, we're going to run into them this week in Second Kings in chapters 14 and 15. That's what it looks like. Hosea, I've always heard, is about a prophet marrying a prostitute. And I feel like I've read through it before. And again, this is one of those times where I think I'm just really thankful for Eugene Peterson because it's sort of, it reads more like a story. It reads, mm-hmm. it's very readable. Have you ever read that book? Um, oh, Redeeming Love? Yes. One of my favorite books. Yeah. I mean, I probably read it 20 years ago. Yes. I love that book. That's almost as much as I know about Hosea. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I feel fictional yes. depiction of him. Mm-hmm. Reading Hosea in this interpretation has been really fun to look at what a crazy way for God to show his love for his people. And this is an intense love letter. In fact, I want, I'm probably going to read this for my own like devotional time again and again, because it's a short book, Mm -hmm. but it's so incredibly beautiful as a depiction of how much he loves us despite our adultery adultery really is what it is yeah i mean he's called, 
Yeah, the idolatry is adultery. I think this this Hosea section that we read really fits beautifully with the section of Daniel that we read. If you think about Daniel's prayers, Daniel's Mm. prayer for his people is really very much like, we don't deserve you. We Mm -hmm. don't deserve for you to come and save us. Um, Yes. It's such a beautiful prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is like... In Daniel... In chapter nine, verse 18, he says, for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Yes. Yes. Our appeal is to your compassion. This prayer is our last and only hope. Mm. Similarly, in verse nine, when I I underlined compassion is our only hope, the compassion of you, the master, our God, since in our rebellion, we forfeited Mm. our rights. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live the clear teaching that came through your servants, the prophets, because he's, he's reading Jeremiah and reading Jeremiah is what brings him to his knees. I love that idea that like, that Daniel's taking his time with the Lord. And in the time he spends time in the word of Jeremiah and Jeremiah is what brings him to this, like, mm-hmm. Oh God, come and save us. And a couple things came out of that for me, which were one that it says, I'm sorry, chapter chapter nine, 22 through 23. So Daniel's let out this really beautiful prayer, which if you're looking for a prayer to pray for your nation or the world, here's a great place to start. But he says in 22 verse 23, he stood before me and said, Daniel, I have come to make things plain to you. You had no sooner started your prayer when the answer was given. And now I'm here to deliver the answer to you. Did you, what does it say right after that? Mm -hmm. You are much loved. Yes. Mine says, for you are treasured by God. Yes. So those are the, uh, that's the second thing. That Sorry, I, I get jumped no, ahead of you. No, it's totally fine. You actually can talk about that part if you want. I'm curious what you want to say about it. But the first part was like, both of these remind me of Mark because in Mark, we see the very end of chapter 11 that we just studied. Jesus basically is telling them how to pray. pray and when he tells them how to pray, he says, Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it. That past tense thing is really cool. And it makes me think of this passage in Daniel. That's what it when it said, as soon as it was, no sooner had it left your mouth than it had been answered. And now mm-hmm. I'm here to deliver the message is kind of cool. That idea that as soon as we pray, we have what we've received and yet we might not know or experience it right away. He's talking about, and we spent a lot of time actually in our Bible studies talking about what that looks like, what those mountains are. And uh, one of our members was talking about how she sort of reads that backwards because he goes into talking about forgiveness and she was talking about how forgiveness itself can be a mountain that needs Mm -hmm. to be moved. But Daniel's prayer is very much God's heart. And I think that whenever we pray God's heart, that's what he promises. I think it's in first John where he says, anything that you pray according to God's will, you know, that he hears you, you know, if he hears you, you have what you've asked of him. Mm -hmm. That's such a promise. I love that promise. I come back to it a lot. Mm -hmm. Then he says, you are much loved. Yeah. So in my, in the CSB, it's translated for you are treasured by God. I mean, that's just a couple verses after that other part that I read that Daniel's praying that God would um, act not based on anything he's done. Right. But just based on his compassion. And so 
I don't know. I think it just, it's just another beautiful example of how much we are treasured by God. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was, I was thinking is how God's been teaching me to seek his affirmation before his instruction. And he does that here. He affirms him first. He affirms him and then he gives instruction and it happens again in verse chapter 10, verse 11. The angel says, Daniel, he said, man of quality, listen carefully to my message. I just love that. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine translate it, translates it as treasured by God again. And that seems in that section. Yes. I just love that so much that our God affirms us. And if you look right here, actually right past that, I think it's like the next set of verses, it says, relax, Daniel. He continued, don't be afraid from the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding. Your prayer was heard and I set out to come to you. But even just that whole scene, Daniel is terrified. Mm -hmm. Like he's on his hands and knees, terrified. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that he says to him is you're treasured by God. Mm -hmm. Like that's, Mm -hmm. those are the words he uses to comfort him in a situation where he's like shaking. Um, This part of Daniel was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, then like, then you have a series of promises and I just wrote about how we have these promises to stand on while everything is like crazy Mm -hmm. and insane and that we have to, like, this is what we have to do right now. But this whole passage is that it's, all about what's to come and the promise that there will be tribulation and there will be hard times, but in the end, he's going to come and put an end to it all. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I love this. And you go about your business without fretting or worrying. Relax. When it's all over, you will be on your feet to receive your reward. Where's that? The very end? The last verse. I mean, there's, there's really the benediction, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's the benediction to all of us right now when it seems like it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. And you go about your business without fretting or worrying. Relax. When it's mm-hmm. all over, you'll be on your feet to receive your reward. That's directed at those of us, anybody's heart that's humbled and surrendered to the Lord. Yeah. It just, it makes me think that last verse a little bit about a couple things that stuck out to me in First and Second Timothy yeah. About like the active nature. And actually you kind of write about it in the weekly truth that's coming out on Monday, the active nature of waiting mm-hmm. in a sense, Daniel go on your way to the end. Like he's not just saying sit around and wait, like, like what go about your business is what it, I think. Mm-hmm. You're trying to say. Yes. And at the end of first Timothy and the beginning of second Timothy, he's it, chapter six, verse 11. He says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold. This is, I love this. Take Mm -hmm. hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession. That idea of taking hold. And then in second Timothy one and one, he's talking about not being ashamed and sharing in the suffering and holding on to sound teaching and guarding the good deposit. Like there are all these things like actively waiting. Yes. Not just sitting around twiddling our thumbs and, and hoping that things are going to be okay. Like there's yes action to be taken as we wait for the promise to be fulfilled. Yes. I love that. In first Timothy, one of the things that I loved and I, in chapter three, it says the same goes for those who want to be servants in the church, serious, not deceitful, not too free with the bottle, not in it for what they can get out of it, 
they must be reverent before the mystery of the faith. Mm -hmm. What does your say there? Holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Yeah. Okay. And then, so if you jump down in verse uh, 14 or 15, Mm -hmm. it says this Christian life is a great mystery far exceeding our understanding, but some things are clear enough. He appeared in a human body was proved right by the invisible spirit was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples believed in all over the world, taken up into heavenly glory reverent before the mystery of the faith and then his claim that the christian life is a great mystery it's i feel like it's that mystery that's a that can allow us to have unity in such diverse Mm. theology if we can hold to the mystery that is so much of the christian faith apart from the things that are clear enough And, and it ties into the part where it's like, man, do we pass over this passage in First Timothy 2 that's talking about men and women in the faith? Like, right. You and I have had these conversations mm-hmm. ad nauseum, and <laughs> it doesn't seem like this place, this recap right now is the time to have that conversation. It's a fantastically fascinating conversation mm-hmm. to have and can go on for hours. But at the end of the day, if we can hold the mystery of the Christian right. faith with reverence, but hold to the things that are clear enough. There's plenty to unite on, you know? Yeah. And of course, right. Then Paul sends me into like a tizzy about (laughs) like, he says something about, I, I, (laughs) this really like made me mad. Oh boy. I, I, yep. Mm -hmm. What? I felt a little bit of frustration reading this book as well this year, this week. Okay. So yeah. So chapter five, I've never, I've never read this before where he talks about the widows and putting them to work if they're over a certain age, but if they're under a certain age, he says, no sooner will they get on than they'll want to get off obsessed with wanting to get a husband rather than serving Christ in this way. By breaking their word, they're liable to go from bad to worse, frittering away their days on empty talk, gossip and trivialities. And I was like, what, what the heck, Paul? This is cool because you're like, You've, you've totally made this absurd, broad generalization yes. of an entire group of women and now disqualified them from being able to participate in the work of the Lord because, and it was like, no, like just no, there's, no, I mean, mm-hmm. this is your recommendation for the church, but this is not supposed to be our law that we have to like abide by in black and white. And then he says in chapter 21, God and Jesus and angels all back me up in these instructions. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so that's different. That's a different. Mine doesn't quite say it that clearly. About that. I, it says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to observe these things. So that makes it sound okay. like they're like, to me, that makes it sound like they're his witnesses that he's yes. encouraging them in this way. That's I what like that, that much like better. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that all that stuff about the widow also irritated me. It's like just a thing that I would normally have skimmed over, but he says no widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless yada, yada, yada. Well, I think this particular, this is actually particularly about service in the church. And he's like, don't put anybody in service, even like leadership. It's almost like he's actually kind of encouraging them to, for these women who are 60 and older to participate in the service of the church. Whereas he's saying, it says, sign some windows up for special ministry of offering assistance. They Is that in verse nine? 
Yeah, hold on. They will. In, that is right totally not how, because mine says, verse nine, it says they're not to be enrolled on the list for support. So I totally read this whole passage. I might have read it wrong. Hold on. Sign some windows up for the special ministry of offering assistance. They will in turn receive support from the church. I read that almost kind of like give them a job. The yeah. first thing that he lists in the CSB is that they're for support. Like I read that as like they need support, but then they have all these yeah. like requirements for how they live their life. So it seems like they would be people who would also be willing to offer support if it was needed. Yes. But when I read, when I read enrolled on the list for support, I was like, put them on the list of someone who needs help. Like these are people yeah. we have to take care of kind of. Yeah, idea. I totally read that different because then it says they will in turn receive support from the church. They must be over 60, married only once and have a reputation for helping out with children, strangers, mm-hmm. tired Christians, the hurt and troubled. Yeah, I definitely saw that as like use them as servants in the church. But if they're young, we don't want <laughs> if they're young yeah. widows, we don't want them. They'll get distracted. <laughs> right. He's really setting up logistical structures right. for this particular church for the, like for this particular church for this particular time under these particular circumstances. And not that there's not a ton of wisdom involved mm-hmm. in all of it, but in, in general, Paul isn't trying to set up a new law. Right. And here's the other thing that I was trying to think through as I was reading it too. This letter is to Timothy. This letter yeah. is not to the churches in Galatia That's or so good. like this is to one man who is a leader in the church yes. and now we all get to read it, but this isn't like to the elders of all of these churches saying like, this is your new policy guys. Like this is what you guys need to put into writing. And this is how you run. This is like principles. This is my guidance for you for right. making decisions for right. how to establish new leader. Don't, don't elect people too quickly. That's such great advice. Yes. Don't bring yes. The give them too time. Quickly. Yeah. He's mentoring Timothy in leadership yes. for sure. That's a really great observation and a really good point. Additionally, I think in general to think about Paul and who we know he is and how against black and white rule following he is in general to think that what he's trying to set up is black and white rule following for every church for all of time under all circumstances would be a complete misrepresentation of everything else mm-hmm. Paul's ever written or shown mm-hmm. to be the case. Yeah. So as we're talking about it, I'm thinking this reads differently than when we'd studied Galatians. Like when we yes. Galatians is like this book of doctrine, like heavy truth that is like make or break salvation. Yes. First Timothy doesn't read that way. What a fun conversation. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.